Green Divas and Green Dudes come in many shades of green. Here to help you discover and celebrate your personal shade of green are hosts Green Diva Meg and Maxine Margot, veteran radio chicks who share important news about climate change and the plight of human existence, but somehow manage to make most of it fun and sexy using at least 50 shades of green. Well, hey there, and welcome to the 50 Shades of Green Divas. I'm Green Diva Meg. I'm Green Diva Max. And we are coming to you from the Qua, which is Green Diva Studio North, Chappaqua, New York. Woohoo! In this beautiful, beautiful snowy weather, you are listening to the start of season 11. This is going to be a season to be reckoned with. We've got a lot of big plans for y'all. We have some really interesting information for you today. Of course, we've got some witty banter, but this show is all about eco-documentaries, eco-films. In, I think we're going to even mention eco-series, but we're going to make some recommendations, and we've talked to some folks that are making these uh, documentaries and, and why they're making them and uh, just touch on some of the highlights of what you need to know, because there's a lot going on in eco-creative film and media. Okay, so I guess one of the first things, we're sort of into the new year, and uh, I just wanted to mention my <laughs> my screw New Year's resolutions. Do you have New Year's resolutions, Max? Well, <laughs> it was pretty crazy last half of last year, so I'm... I'm just pushing for the uh, health and happiness and everyone in good shape kind of thing uh, and that my family and everyone's great and all my friends and my green diva here, that, that everyone is just, you know, healthy and, and happy and, and, and trying to get through the craziness because it's pretty freaking crazy out there. Yeah, it, it definitely is. So anyway, my whole thing is that I don't do resolutions anymore because I suck at them. I do have sort of my my ritual at the end of the year and in the beginning of the year is setting a tone and trying to manifest. Actually, I'm doing my first creative play date workshop. For years, my friend Julie and I, Julie Genovese, some of you may know her. She calls herself the Weenie Greenie. She's written a book called Nothing Short of Joy. She's totally inspirational. Anyway, we're doing, we've been getting together for years doing these creative workshops just with us. And now we're going to be doing it for some friends. So anyway, Max, New York is um, New York is doing some cool stuff. Yeah, well, um, the city is suing the various uh, fossil fuel companies yes. for uh, polluting the air and water and land in New York, and I find that to be incredible. Uh, I also know that they are divesting from fossil fuels in the portfolios of all the pensions, and it's billions of dollars. So I'm... Um, Really happy that there's some pro-action in, in the world of, of New York government. It's kudos. Well, and as well, more governments should follow suit. So there's some good news. Now, while we're um, talking good news, I just want to give ourselves a little media shameless shout-out to our social media. <laughs> we are on Twitter at 50 Shades of GDS. 
or the Green Divas or Green Diva Meg or the many shades. At TM Shades. TM, at TM Shades of Green. Uh, and that's also the same for Instagram. And you can look up the many shades of green and the Green Divas on Facebook and interact with us, please. We've, we've got a lot going on. Uh, so I mentioned what our show topic is going to be. I thought I would just give you a little rundown on what's coming. So get yourself situated so you can listen to this. You're, we had the opportunity, I had the opportunity to speak to Jamie Redford. Yes, you know his name. His dad is Robert Redford, and Jamie is just as cool as his dad. He may not be an actor, but he's a fabulous filmmaker, and he's got a lot to say a lot of what he's doing is about social change and his latest documentary happening, A Clean Energy Revolution, is him. He, he's going around the country learning about some really fascinating renewable energy projects that, like, who knew? So a- anyway, it's, it's kind of cool. I, I, I've seen the documentary and it was fun talking with him. We also spoke to Dana Ruggiero, who's one of our very favorite green divas out there, and she just won an award. Uh, from the Belize Film Festival or International Film Festival for her The Wood Thrush Connection, which uh, she's done a lot of different things, and I'm very excited for her. And then Jessica Wolfson, who's a documentary filmmaker, and we spoke to her about Hot Grease, which is a film about biodiesel and some, some pretty weird, surprising things that you'll learn about the biodiesel kind of industry. So anyway, Max, any last words before we break? Well, just just on the biodiesel, uh, on the hot grease thing. Um, when when researching a bit, you know, to to try to get some information about the film and hot grease and what this is all about, I recall that there was a Simpson episode in the late '90s where Bart and Homer were going to steal the grease from the lunchroom in the school and sell it. So that is. What I'm saying right now, uh, that it's a, it's a teaser, and you'll have to listen to the interview with Jessica to get more on that. But just put that in your brain for a second. <laughs> Who knew? All right, stay tuned. Lots coming up. Do you suffer from allergies and chemical sensitivity? Then it's time to incorporate the EnviroClean system. Utilizing patented technology, the EnviroClean system safely and effectively neutralizes toxins without leaving behind harmful VOCs. From the solid and upholstered surfaces that surround us, to the clothes we wear, to the very air we breathe, EnviroCleanse provides personal environment protection for everyone. Use code GREENDIVAS to get 20% off site-wide at EnviroKLENZ.com. Our first eco-film person that we're going to talk to, director-producer Dana Ruggiero, who just recently won the Belize International Film Festival for her film The Wood Thrush Connection. She's also the executive director of the Climate Listening Project. Listen to Dana. She does a really nice job introducing herself. director of the Climate Listening Project. It's a film project that I started about four years ago now. I've been an environmental filmmaker for about six years and a spokesperson for the environment for uh, about 15, 20 years now. And I try to connect stories 
about what we love, what we need, and show that we are, in fact, all connected no matter what. Even if we're not environmentalists, even if we are conservative or Republican, um, I interview people and I share these hopeful stories, these hopeful conversations on community. And so my films are distributed to 4,000 churches across the country. They're shown at, you know, the Stockholm Resilience Institute and Oxford University. They're shown at Audubon Society chapters across the country um, and at film festivals now. I'm uh, was a finalist at the Boone Film Festival, and I'm I'm um, participating in the Belize International Film Festival. Um, so trying to use different mediums to get the word out that there are hopeful solutions out there um, for climate change and for our environment. So this was recorded before she won an award in Belize, but here she talks about her latest feature-length film, the one that won, The Wood Thrush Connection. The Wood Thrush Connection is my first full-length feature documentary film. So that was filmed in Belize and North Carolina about a migratory bird that for the first time they were able to track and see where it wintered and where it spent its summer. And so we were able to track it. Um, the Smithsonian Institute, along with the Audubon Society, tracked it from North Carolina to Belize and back to the same place in North Carolina. So I followed that migration path and I interviewed people who love this bird, people who want to protect this bird, people that work in businesses that are taking measures um, to have more bird friendly buildings, people who are planting native species and trees in their backyards so that the birds have habitat when they return in the summer. I interviewed farmers in Belize who are working to you know, plant amazing, different, diverse species of trees above the cacao plants that are actually shade plants. So it really is a wide variety of people. And I also got an opportunity to see some of the ways that this bird is benefiting communities, like in Belize, bird guides are being trained and it's an amazing you know birding tourism environment so people are able to go there and go out and and see all of these beautiful birds um, and it's providing jobs it's providing an opportunity to conserve these lands you know um, and the same here in North Carolina where um, we want this habitat for these birds because as climate change changes our um, patterns for where birds travel to, we want to make sure that if they are going further north or if they're changing their patterns at all, that there is habitat there for them to survive and to thrive. Okay, kids, and now it's time for Silly Science Facts with Green Diva Matt. Hello. Welcome to our uh, Silly Science Facts in the New Year. Um, we like to talk about animals and, 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 and things that scientists work on, not hurting them, but trying to get information and how that would apply to humans. So... This is a silly science fact. 
Ticklish Rats Giggle and Jump for Joy. And this was uh, an article that was in uh, NBC Science News. And uh, it's just something that (laughs) you won't believe. Okay, so a team at Humboldt University in Berlin, led by neuroscientist Shinpei Ishiyama, did research on why does tickling induce laughter? Uh, Why are tickling effects so mood-dependent? Is ticklish laughter different from humorous laughter? Well, Ishimaya's team experimented with rats to find out. The team said, We tickled and gently touched rats on different body parts and observed a variety of ultrasonic vocalizations. We confirmed that tickling rats evoked vocalizations, approach, and unsolicited jumps. They would jump. And this is called Freudensponge. I don't know if I did that right, but I'm sure anyone speaking German will probably get back at me and go, come on, say that right, Um, which roughly translate into jumping for joy. Other studies have shown vocalizations are equivalent of very high-pitched rat giggles. And, you know, when you're doing that and they go, ha, 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 I don't know how these rats giggle, but I'd like to hear a tape of it. Um, the uh, The same area of the rat's brains work as in humans, you know, so that's why they do these experiments. So the the team said, we found that tickling can evoke intense neural activity in the somatosensory cortex. Hey, I I wouldn't want to do that, say it's fast, but, uh, and and it's basically just to to add on to that, uh, which wasn't really in the study, but you can figure it out. Um, It said that a good hearty laugh relieves physical tension and stress, leaving your muscles relaxed for up to 54 minutes. Laughter boosts the immune system. It decreases stress hormones and increases immune cells and infection-fighting antibodies, thus improving your resistance to a disease. It's kind of better than a flu shot, I think. Laughter, it protects the heart. I can use that of late. Uh, Burns calories, lightens anger, triggers release of endorphins, and may help you live longer. Maybe we should get Congress and the president to laugh more. Um, Maybe we need Al Franken back. And a lot of this was in something called helpguide.org. So my my thing is, put on a good movie. To me, the fart scene in Blazing Saddles. You can catch it on Netflix. And you can put on a happy face because, hey, if you don't laugh when you see that scene, there's something wrong. So giggle in the new year. It'll help you in so many ways. Thank you, Max. Another silly science fact with Green Diva Max. Okay, so you know Robert Redford, right? If you haven't, crawl out from under your rock and look him up. He's a beautiful, wonderful, handsome actor and human being uh, who has done so much for the environment and continues to do. But he one of his one of the things he's probably not as well known for is for spawning a fabulous family including Jamie Redford, his son, who is a wonderful filmmaker, a documentary filmmaker and um and otherwise. He is the co-founder of the Redford Center, a nonprofit media entity that engages people through inspiring stories, galvanizing environmental action. Mr. Redford also writes, produces, and directs for film and television. His latest, which we will primarily talk to him today about, is Happening, a Clean Energy Revolution for HBO. So I had a chance to speak with Jamie and about the Redford Center and his latest film and, and some other things. So just sit back 
and enjoy Jamie Redford. My recent film is called Happening, a Clean Energy Revolution, and it's made through the Redford Center, which is a media nonprofit committed to creating stories that inspire sort of engagement, hope, and transformation. Core to that in our approach is really trying to highlight not just the problems, but the solutions. I mean, they're, they're, they're obviously permanently linked. I mean, you can't have a discussion about one with the other. I think we feel that there is ground to cover in terms of offering people a way out of trouble. And so that's sort of this particular nonprofit's focus from a media point of view. And happening is really that. It's looking against the big question of climate change. And we all are increasingly becoming aware, either viscerally or informationally, of the reality of climate change. And so what are we going to do about it? And, and can we do anything about it? What are the solutions? And, and happening is a look at one of the few things that's clearly uh, critical to combating climate change, which is renewable energy. So I went on a journey as a person, really, and I chronicled my own journey into the clean energy revolution to understand what was going on, why is it scaling so fast, and, and what it means for our energy future. I really liked that aspect. I liked that it was sort of an experiential. We're, we're along the ride with Jamie to find out what's going on. Yeah, I just felt like if you really want people to get it, why not take them along on a ride rather than telling them what's what? It just seemed in this case, um, the technology is as, as great and as effective as it is. It's fairly boring. <laughs> I mean, how long, how long do you want to stare at a solar panel, yeah. you know? So from a filmmaking point of view, the challenge is how do you do something meaningful that isn't boring? And just in, in a weird way, just sort of knowing full well that there was moments here where I was struggling and I don't understand or feeling like a hypocrite or the, the things that all of us feel. Um, it was a way of connecting with the audience. So I just brought all that along with me. You know, I look at it like uh, my storytelling as, a, as an opportunity to make sense of complicated matters for the public. Matters that are really important but easy to disengage from. And that's everything from how organ donation really works, how important it is, and how difficult it is to talk about, all the way up to renewable energy, how scalable and successful it's going to be in a short amount of time, and yet there's so many complex things it's hard to even talk about. And in between that, you have things like dyslexia, you have the way stress affects children if they're raised in really adverse conditions, and what can we do about that? There's water shortage in the Colorado River Basin. What can we do about that? So all of my films tend to sort of look at problems with the slant towards helping create a, a greater awareness and, and engagement. Uh, the idea, you know, I love making, I love telling stories. I love making films. I started as a screenwriter for many years. Storytelling is quarter who I am. The idea of participating in pushing the bar forward in a positive way, it's, just, it's really powerful. Just quarter what every, everything I do as a storyteller. Other than your own films, what other environmental films have you seen lately that you would say to somebody, oh, you really need to see this film? Well, I would. I, I think anybody uh, who hasn't seen Chasing Coral yet uh, should see it. 
it's it's a really really successful film on many levels. One of the things I love about it is that, you know, yes, it's it's at a gorgeous scale. It, it takes us to the most beautiful parts of the ocean, and yet because of that scale, when it catalogs the decline of coral, it's particularly staggering because the film is made on a grand scale. But the beauty is it it captures you in a way that enables you to stay sort of feeling good, even though there's so much uh, scary things happening with the coral in this world. I mean, experts are predicting in the next decade or two, we're going to lose 70% of the coral, period, on planet Earth as the waters warm. Now, that fact is really staggering and depressing. And yet this film manages to engage you on the topic without making you want to slit your throat. And it does so with the craft of filmmaking, the characters that they have, and the journey that the characters are on. I mean, the film is as much about the experiences and growth of the crew that are trying to catalog the die-off of coral as it is the problem of dying coral itself. It's it's a real film, and it, it has great characters with great heart, and there's a lot of emotion, and and it's dealing with a, a, a really important topic that, you know, you sort of, it's unfortunate because it, you sort of feel like you think you understand all the ways that climate change is affecting things, and then, you know, there's always, there seems to be always something else that comes along and says, oh, well, there's also this. Well, and I think there's, you, know, you wake up, and particularly these days in America, if you, if you want to wake up and say the world has gone to hell in a handbasket and there's really no point, if that's the way you want to wake up and look at the world, there's plenty of evidence that that's true. But if you say to yourself, well, I don't know, I think the job is to remain hopeful in spite of being in a challenging environment, and, I, and that's a philosophical issue. If you've got your life and you've got a limited time here, you know, I think active, actively embracing uh, hope is, is just integral to being a happy person. And so, you know, while there's all kinds of signs that, that climate change is going to be problematic, we should get on with the business of reducing its impact and preparing for the impact. I think, you know, the, the quicker we ramp up with renewable energy, the less horrible it will be. You know, I want to be reality based here. I don't think it's going to stop climate change. We're already in the midst of it. We got mass migration relating to weather changes. We have trillion dollars of damage in the United States alone in the last three months due to extreme weather. I mean, the list really goes on and on at this point. Political instability. Yeah. Well, if you don't want it to be the worst manifestation of all these things, then you introduce renewables as quickly as possible to preserve the good that we can have. And now um, we, we have spoken to Jessica Wolfson, who's produced and directed a documentary called Hot Grease. And uh, yeah, it involves French fry grease. And yeah, it involves how that grease is, is working to help the environment. But also there's other things involved that are quite interesting. Um, you know, Jessica herself has had a diverse career in film and photography, and she produced and directed many critically acclaimed documentary films and series. And her current projects include Radio Unnameable, which she is co-directing and producing about legendary film radio DJ Bob Fass and his freedom freeform program Radio Unnameable, and also A Girl and a Gun about women in America's relationships with firearms. I'm not quite sure if there's any connection to Hot Grease in any of that, uh, but... 
It is really an interesting subject, and um, so here is some commentary by Jessica Wolfson. The biodiesel world has exploded. It has become a huge, a huge a commodity. It's, um, it's there is, you know, it's part of the renewable fuel standard, which is a law that requires renewable fuels to be blended into the fuel stream. And so that's, there's, it went from maybe 10 million gallons a year in 2005 to 2.1 billion gallons a year now blended into the fuel stream, which is pretty amazing over the last 10 years. I think the most surprising thing I learned was that there are so many people out there who are, you know, working in this industry and experimenting and doing really innovative and interesting things. You know, Justin Heller, who started Root Fuel, the gas station that, you know, was really focused on biodiesel, had so many amazing uh, ambitions and goals for how he wanted to change the world. And Jim Everly, who is now using biodiesel to um, as a replacement of for petroleum in other products, not just fuel. So, you know, lighter fluids and paint thinners and wood stains. Like there's so many products in our that we use on a daily basis that have petroleum in them. I I didn't even realize. Pens and phone cases and contact lenses all have petroleum in them. And so mm-hmm. if you imagine you know, it's not just an issue of the fuel, it's an issue of a real adjustment in all of our products would take, you know, unfortunately, a lot of government regulation. OMG WTF. Who knew that hot grease is going to become such a commodity now uh, that it's becoming like a thing that people steal? It's a black market. This is a thing. Who knew? It's incredible. You think about stealing that that hot grease, and people are just making money, thousands and thousands of dollars, and 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 using that hot grease is actually pretty cool because it doesn't smell like diesel. It smells like French fries or popcorn, so, or Chinese food. Well, I'd prefer the popcorn or the <laughs> or or the French fries. I'm not quite sure Chinese food, but uh, it, it's it's something that one would not think that would be happening, but it is. Well, that must be validating that it's actually becoming a commodity. I mean, I had known about biodiesel through just hearing about, you know, like hippies who fill their uh, gas tanks with French, you know, with French fry oil or Neil Young and uh, Willie Nelson who you know, fuel their tour buses on it. But I didn't really know very much about biodiesel before uh, before making the film. And the original impetus of the film came out of a New Yorker pro- uh, article that came out in 2015 uh, with the same name, Hot Grease, that was actually about how there has been a huge influx of grease theft, theft of the, act- of the used cooking grease from behind restaurants due to the fact that biodiesel is, you know, you use it to make biodiesel and the price of this used cooking grease has raised tremendously. And so we were really fascinated by that. 
um, which led to looking into what the world of biodiesel was and from there making this film. So we had high aspirations of giving you this list of fabulous eco films and series to watch and enjoy and share, but we kind of ran out of time. So what we're going to do is please go to thegreendivas.com. I will have a post there with our um, thoughts and recommendations. There's so much going on, but these are things that we're familiar with and can comment on uh, and things that we recommend. So as we like to do in most of our closings, we've come up each with a couple of quotes that may be relevant. I have a quote here from Ken Burns, who is a famous documentarian filmmaker. His quote is, I began to feel that the drama of the truth that is in the moment and in the past is richer and more interesting than the drama of Hollywood movies. So I began looking at documentary films. And Burns can't go wrong with him. And there is a documentary out called Game Changers. And the director, Louis Sahoyos, was quoted in Boulder magazine. And he said that, I tell the crew that we're not making movies. We're starting movements. Movements don't end until the issue ends. So this movie, um, the filmmakers, one, the producer is James Cameron. You know him. And um, basically, they said they aim to dispel the myth that you need protein from animals to become a real man. This this is a, a, a documentary based on um, vegetarian and vegan movement and how these amazing humans are eating, you know, just veggies and doing things that one would never know and think about. Strong men, beautiful men. That's the quote. All right, folks, stay tuned. Till next time. Bye bye. been listening to the 50 shades of green a collaborative gig between the green divas and the many shades of green radio shows happily recorded at green diva studio be sure to look for this and other green diva network podcasts and the many shades of green on iHeartRadio, itunes soundcloud spreaker and stitcher among other places you can find more information about this show and much more on thegreendivas.com. 